As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome back to another installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. Today I'm joined by Scott Watkins of the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Easy for me to say, Scott. Um, (laughs) You cover Southern Miss. Miami plays Southern Miss this week, so I I appreciate you uh, joining me here to to preview the game. Uh, I know you were telling me off air here a couple minutes before. This is your first year on the beat, but uh, you've covered plenty of college football. Did that uh, at Troy where you went to school. Uh, let, me, let me just ask you, first impressions of, of Will Hall and, and this program at Southern Miss? Yeah, so first impressions, uh, Will Hall, right away, I have to say, very media-friendly guy. That's like the first thing that I look for always. He's very media-friendly, great quote. Uh, you will never get any coach speak from him. Uh, but it's, it's hard to get a, a true you know, first impression of what uh, Will Hall has done with the program, especially on the field. Uh, he in- inherited a very rough situation. Uh, the roster was, I mean, it was almost barren a year ago. And I don't know if any Miami fans are familiar with what happened at Southern Miss as far as the quarterback position last year. They used, I think, right at 15 different players uh, wow. behind center. So it was it was a really, really rough situation. And uh, this year it was kind of supposed to be this, uh, you know, putting it all behind them. Uh, they added 35 players, I think, a lot of transfers, a lot of JUCOs, a lot of high school kids. They just they built this thing all the way back up. And very first half, first game, started quarterback gets hurt again. And so almost like the nightmares of last year kind of coming right back. So it's really hard to get a read on what Will Hall is and what Will Hall's offense is because they have yet to this day still not had an opportunity to truly run what they want to run. Yeah, they uh they lost a tough one. I think quadruple overtime, right? 29-27 in the opener at home to, to Liberty. And Hugh Freeze has done a good job with that Liberty program, but he lost a lot of guys um off that off that squad. And I think Southern Miss was favored to win that game, weren't they? Uh, I think it was Liberty, but uh, very, very close. Very tight. I think it was already. one point, maybe one point five, maybe. I think. Yeah. Southern Miss left conference USA. Uh they're in the Sun Belt now, the the new expanded and, and better Sun Belt, I would say, 14 team conference. Um, I think it's probably going to be one of the best G5 leagues. Uh, this roster is mostly made up of uh, Mississippi players, I think 77% uh, 
of the roster. Um, but they do have a very familiar name for Miami fans, and that's Frank Gore Jr. Of course, his father, uh, number three all-time leading rusher in NFL history, played at Miami, had two. I covered his dad. I'm 44 years old. You're a young guy breaking into this business, Scott. But I, I remember covering his dad. So it makes me feel extra old knowing Frank Gore Jr. is coming to town this week to play the Hurricanes. But he's an excellent player, and he didn't get recruited by a whole lot of schools because he was sizing. He was about 5'8", coming out of, out of high school. Um, but he's perfect for this system and the super back. Can you, can you talk a little about Frank and just, I'm sure you've talked to him a few times. What, what's your, what's your uh, thought on him? Yeah. Frank Gore is, he's very versatile. That's uh, why they use him as the super back. You know, that was something that popped up the UTSA game last year, third to last game of the season. They, they were done using, you know, the, the fifth or sixth quarterback that they were on. Uh, so they, they came up with the super back, which is a wildcat formation. They put Frank Gore back there, Frank Gore Jr. And did a really good job. Uh, he's actually a surprisingly good passer. And that's what makes the formation so good is that they're not looking for little pop passes here and there. They will throw a deep uh, with, with Frank Gore Jr. And he's had a lot of success with that. Uh, so it's, it is, um, he's a very versatile, very good runner, really hard on his runner. Does not, you know, when you watch him run, it's almost like size. It's just not a factor. And he, he will run through. He will run around. It, it doesn't matter with him. Uh, super talented guy. and Very clearly the center of the Southern Miss cultural rebuild, for sure. Yeah, I was looking at, at, at the passing uh, numbers from last week. Um, I guess he was one of four for, for 48 yards. Only five completions overall. I mean, with a healthy quarterback, is this a more balanced offense? Or did, or, or did we see the, the run-pass ratio probably about what it will be in this game? Uh, this was uh, this was not balanced. Um, I, they ran the ball in seventy five percent of plays, and most of that was second half. Uh, mm-hmm. The starting quarterback went down late second quarter, and they brought in the backup for one play. He threw an interception, and that's when they went with super back the entire second half. And they threw the they attempted four passes the entire second half, ended overtime. That was it. So uh, yeah, it's, and this week they're going to go with a true freshman quarterback. And the superback. It's going to be a mix. It's going to be a mix of those two things. With somebody who's never played an FBS football game and the superback formation. It'll be fun. I do expect the ratio to be close to 70% run this week. Okay. Uh, tell me a little about the, the receivers, Jason uh, Brownlee, Brandon Hayes. Um, you know, they got a tight end, Cole Cavallo, um, and, uh, and, and a slot back. Who are some of the other skill guys outside of Frank Gore? And, and what are the, some of the things they can do? Yeah, so Southern Miss actually has a pretty surprisingly deep group of wide receivers that they just unfortunately have not had the opportunity to use and, and really you know put out there. Brandon Hayes is a redshirt freshman. I think he's a third-year freshman, actually. A really, really talented deep ball guy. Unfortunately, on Wednesday, yesterday, uh, he got hurt in practice, and it doesn't look like he's going to play on Saturday. Uh, but they do have guys. I mean, they have Zay Franks. They have a guy named Latrell Jones who was the number one junior college wide receiver in America last year. And uh, he's new to the team this year. And so they have wide receivers. It's just, it's about getting the ball into their hands. They have gotten not, not really gotten a lot of opportunities. Last year was Jason Brownlee. He, in my opinion, is a power five guy. He's got an excellent catch radius, made a, made a phenomenal grab and double, triple coverage last week. Uh, they just have a hard time getting him the ball because, you know, the quarterback situation that's been ongoing. But they have guys and they have guys that they'll use. Some size on the offensive line. I'm sitting here looking at the guys listed as the starters and Takeem Doss, 6'5", 373 pound senior. I've seen some big guys. I think Navon Donaldson from Miami last year was probably closer to 400 pounds than he was 350. 
Uh, is Dosh really 373 or is he bigger than that? Uh, hard to tell, hard to tell. You know, when you, when you get up <laughs> to that big, it's hard to really put a number on it. But yeah, no, dude is huge. Dude is huge. The offensive line as a whole is really big. Uh, it's a lot deeper than a year ago. Last year, this was the worst offensive line in the country and had a good start. Had a good start. Did really well. Did not give up a sack in the first half when Southern had a quarterback out there. Uh, and, and did well blocking for Gore Jr. They're huge. And the, the biggest difference is that the backups now, the average is over 300 pounds. Last year was like 280. So they're they're a lot bigger and a lot deeper than a year ago. Yeah, some of the other guys, Jaquan Scott at left guard, uh, Bryson Mays at center, John Bolding, uh, right guard, all of them, like you said, over 300 pounds, 339 for Scott, 317 for Mays, and 329 for Bolding. And then Paul Gaynor Jr. is the right tackle. He's 6'3", 290. So a lot of, lot of size, a lot of mass up there. Curious how, how good they are at moving the line of scrimmage. And, and, you know, Liberty was a fairly decent test. Yeah, Liberty was a decent test. It's, it's going to be uh, obviously very different this week. And this is going to be kind of the first big test for that offensive line. And that's, that's really been, that's the other question mark with this team coming into the season is that you knew the defense was going to be really good. Special teams a little shaky, but offensively you got Frank Gore Jr. You got Jason Brownlee. You just need a quarterback and an offensive line that can block. And right now the offensive line looks a lot better. It looked really good against Liberty, but we'll see going forward how it plays out. I was looking at, uh, you know, the fact that Southern Miss, I mean, look, obviously they, they produce Brett Farr. They've had so many guys make it to the NFL. It doesn't seem like these guys are scared at all, right? Like you would think, oh, maybe maybe you'd have a group of five school. They got to play a tough – their schedule in the future. I mean, they got Florida State next year, Mississippi State. They got Ohio State on the schedule, Auburn. And, I mean, this is a team that probably year in and year out is probably pretty well battle-tested and not afraid to go go on the road and play a power five school. No, this this is another Sunbelt team with a pretty long tradition of, of taking down Power 5 teams. I remember when I was at Troy, it was kind of the same case, you know, a team that beat Nebraska and, and uh, Mississippi State and LSU and all that stuff. It's the same thing as Southern Miss. The most recent game that comes to mind is uh, Kentucky a, a while back, maybe four or five years ago. Uh, they were down like 20, 24 points in that game, came back and won. Uh, they, they're not worried. I mean, in postgame, what got me, what really impressed me in postgame after Liberty, after a four-overtime loss, especially when Frank Gore Jr. took the stand. Dude was ready to play again. I mean, he was smiling. He was excited about Miami. He was. He looked like that. He, like Ted Lasso says, you got to be a goldfish. He looked like a goldfish. I mean, he was ready to move on and play this next game. So this team, I think they're very excited. I think the fact that it's a little Juco heavy also kind of plays a factor in that because you have a lot of guys that were either recruited originally by Power 5 teams or maybe started their career at Power 5 teams. They kind of have something to prove. So it's, it is it is a big game, and I don't think that the big result will have any bearing on the mindset of this team. Just curious, what did Frank Gore Jr. say this week? I mean, this is an opportunity to come back home and kind of stick it to the home team. Didn't really recruit him. I was not able to head to the practice this week with high school stuff, but um, I know that he's excited. I've kind of seen some of the quotes. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, he's still to be down there. This is not his uh, coming home, I guess, because the, the team has played Florida International on the road mm -hmm. before. So he's, he's played college football in, in his home environment before. Okay. Um, I, I, let's flip over to defense. Uh, youngest defensive coordinator in the FBS here, uh, Austin Armstrong, 29 years old, uh, came over from Louisiana Lafayette uh, where he was the linebackers coach. Uh, so, I mean, young, but from everything Mario Cristobal described, really aggressive with his play calling, a lot of blitzing, a lot of aggressiveness. How would you sort of describe – Armstrong and what and what they do. 
they they are aggressive and they use a lot of a lot of different tactics. Um, there's there's not really you know one guy that they lean on you know at a star position basically. Uh, when you look at the stats and, and especially if you're just you know searching through the box scores, nobody's really going to stand out in this defense. Especially last year. I mean, after one game, I think uh, Malik Shorts did have a really good game Saturday. The safety, twelve tackles. Um, but yeah, the the safeties will come down and play at the line of scrimmage. Uh, they'll also, you know, get really uh, aggressive in the secondary as far as their pass coverage. And they forced three turnovers last week, uh, which was pretty good. But um, yeah, this team they're solid. They have a strong front seven. The defensive line is largely brand new. It's made up of mostly Power Five transfers and JUCO guys. Uh, but they looked really good against Liberty. The linebackers are deep. They lost the guy for the season just before the year started, and they had two starting caliber players just ready to fill in. Uh, they're a very deep group up front. I think Liberty had, in total, 11 first downs for the first three quarters against Southern Miss, and that's when Hugh Freeze went to quarterback number three, was a dual-threat guy, and he kind of broke contain repeatedly. And I think, if my memory serves correctly, they doubled up on first downs in the fourth quarter alone, 11 first. So that's that was that was the moment where things broke down for this defense. But before then, and it, it was shut down. Yeah, Miami had a lot of success running the football last week against Bethune Cookman. Um, and, and everybody can just sh- kind of shrug their shoulders at that, right? And say, well, it's an FCS team, they're supposed to. But you know, Mario Cristobal is very uh obviously he's a former offensive line coach, former offensive lineman. It, it's something that matters to him. Um, and Really, I mean, the job he and Alex Marable have done it to me anyway, transforming that Miami offensive line. I mean, I was really impressed with those guys. Um, they they did a really good job. They've got some size to them, um, but you know, you can't like you said, you can't take the Southern Miss team just for granted. Just say, hey, Miami's going to go around and start pushing pushing them around. I know they got the nickname the, the Nasty Bunch, um, and, and so Miami fans can start familiarizing themselves with that a little bit. Um, Talk about their defensive front a little bit. These guys, Christian, Christian Booth, Rodarius Lewis, Josh Ratcliffe, uh, Armandus Cooley, Avery uh, Habis, uh, what, what they do. Uh, it's basically a 4-3 front, but uh, what, do, what do they do? It feels like a 4-3 front. Um, I think it's really more like a 3-4 with Habis kind of coming off the edge a little bit there. Uh, right. Yeah, the, the defensive line, is they, they rotate a lot of guys. It's a lot of second-chance guys. Uh, you've got, you know, players from Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas kind of filling in there. Um, and they run deep. I, I remember when you mentioned Booth, he came up with a big play against Liberty. He's like a third-string defensive end. Mm. But he's good enough to where Will Hall and, and Austin Armstrong believes he can come in and make an impact, and he did. And so I think that kind of speaks to just how much, uh, just how well they've done, you know, re- retooling that that front after losing I think two starters off the defensive line last year it doesn't it doesn't feel worse it feels better yeah uh, so it, this yeah like I said before the front seven is just really really deep this year just to mention a couple of other guys that's in the top of their depth chart here Dalen Gill middle linebacker and Swayze Bozeman both of them are, are seniors so they're experienced guys 5'11 225 and 6'3 224 uh, the star position, um, they've got, you know, a small guy and Tylen Knight is 5'7", 175. Interesting. How how good is Tylen and how effective is he? The coaches love Tylen Knight. He is a brand new transfer from one of the uh, Mississippi schools. He, he immediately pushed for the uh, starting job at his position. Cam Harrell had that spot last year. He's, he's Cam Harrell's very good, and he had a good game against Liberty. Tylen Knight came in and just immediately impressed uh, it's only been one week. I would expect Knight's name to be called quite a bit going forward. Uh, he's not even popping up on the uh, 
on the box score here. He may not have even had a tackle, but he he's uh, somebody the coaches expect to have a big impact both on special teams and on defense. He's a very versatile guy. I think he actually started his career running back, uh, but he just likes to hit, and hit he does. <laughs> Uh, you, you mentioned Malik Shorts at safety having the 12 uh, tackles. Uh, what about their corners? Uh, Eric Scott, 6'2", 202 senior. Uh, Natron Brooks, 5'11", 168-pound redshirt junior. Seems like two older guys. Uh, Miami's receivers, really, I mean, outside of Xavier Restrepo, you don't have many guys that are very productive at that position. That's kind of the one big question mark for Miami coming into this game. I'm curious, how good is that secondary? Natron Brooks is one of the better cornerbacks in the Sun Belt. Uh, he was one of the better corners in Conference USA last year. And the scary thing is, is that Eric Scott Jr. might be better. Uh, mm -hmm. It didn't really show up on the numbers last year because nobody threw, nobody threw his way. And Liberty finally threw his way, and he picked it off and took it to the house. So they have two very, very good corners. They also have one of the top JUCO corners in the country from last year that's, that they've added to the roster, Michael Carraway. So they're very good on the outside. In my opinion, they have a top two safety combo in the Sun Belt as well. Uh, if the front seven is not the strength, I mean, it's it's the secondary. They're they're very good back there. Pro Football Focus marked them, I think, for fourteen missed tackles uh, in the opener. Was that an issue at all? I mean, they're an aggressive defense. You're going to put guys in one on one type situations in the open field. When you think back to that opener, was that a problem? Was tackling an issue and all, or or is it just maybe a couple plays? I think where it popped up was the fourth quarter when Caden mm -hmm. Salter came in to play quarterback for Liberty. And that was, uh, that was just something that Southerners did not adjust to. He had, he had a, a lot of, he had a big impact on the ground. It seemed like he thought about maybe went through one of his progressions and then he just kind of ran for it. That was an issue. Uh, he was very elusive in the open field. He was tough to bring down. If I, I don't have access to those numbers, but if I had to guess half of those missed tackles probably came in the fourth quarter. Yeah, 24 pressures in the game, which is actually pretty good um, for for Mississippi, uh, Southern Miss. Um, five for Dalen Gill, five for Dominic Kewan, uh, I guess is the way you pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and really not a ton of sacks. I only had two, but uh, the way the pressure affects other teams, I'm sure, I mean, that's kind of what they try to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. They just want to make the quarterback uncomfortable. Um, they're fine with, you know, giving up you know, a four or five, six yard rush here and there if they can force, you know, the quarterback to make make a lot of bad reads. Uh, because I think the, the kind of the way that they kind of approach the defense is um, they want to eliminate the passing, basically. I know teams mm -hmm. want to establish the run, but Southern Miss kind of reverse engineers that a little bit. They want to take away the passing uh, with shut down corner play and aggressive getting after the quarterback. That way they can tighten up the box a little bit. And, uh, you know, focus in, lock in on the run game. You take one away and then take the other. And that's that's kind of the Austin Armstrong game plan. Okay. Uh, special teams, got a redshirt kicker who's got plenty of experience. He's got a career-long 53-yard uh, attempt. I think uh, two of three on field goals uh, the other night and uh, 24 of 35 all-time on his field goals, according to, to the notes here that I got in front of me. Um, he's got 95 touchbacks. So he's got a pretty strong leg. Just curious – how, uh, what, what you think of uh, Riggs Borgo? Yeah, uh, I think it's, I think it's Bergeois, maybe. I Bergeois, don't know. My, my fault. We all had a hard time. We all had a hard time with it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was funny because he is not somebody that, you know, fans are, they, they don't really look forward to seeing him on the field. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's one of those kickers. Uh, but he came through and it was, 
we were sitting in the press box. It was overtime, uh, second overtime, maybe. Liberty had just hit a field goal, and they needed him to come out and hit a 53-yard field goal, which would have been a career long, and he hit it. To the surprise of everybody up in the box, he hit that field goal. So, uh, yeah, and it it came the possession after he missed the field goal because uh, that's how the first overtime went. He came out, missed a short field goal, then Liberty came out and missed a short field goal, and then the game continued. Uh, yeah, he is he's up and down. Uh, he's working on that stability. He definitely does not lack leg power. That is for sure. He's just working on you know the consistency of, of putting it to the uprights. 53 is some good range. Uh, so, I mean, that's – you may not be accurate every time, but uh, that's that's got to concern you a little bit uh, if you, if the game's on the line here. I know Miami's a, what, 25, 26-point favorite, but if Southern Miss, like you said, they're, they're playing uh, the role of uh, David and Goliath uh, in this game, that's something to concern Miami fans. Punter uh, is a redshirt senior, Mason Smith. I saw uh, he was a Ray Guy award watch list uh, in the preseason. Um, I think he had, from what I'm reading here, 43 – uh, point six average. Um, I think it was last year, from what I'm reading. Um, but you know, he's it's a pretty good average, and and a couple inside the twenty, etc. They also got a kick returner in Cameron Harrell, who was uh, all Sun Belt, I, I guess, preseason. So special teams is something they're they're pretty good at, huh? Yeah, Mason. I think it's Mason Hunt. He uh, definitely a very good punter. He affected the the Liberty game in a big way. I know when I was doing some research that Miami had like an average starting field position at the forty six yard line. Exactly. Yeah, kickoff returns by uh, Keyshawn Smith, three of them. <laughs> but yeah, and that that will uh, help you out. That's that's one way to score seventy points in less than seventy plays. But uh, yeah, Mason Hunt, he has the ability to change the game. He had a fifty-one yard punt down at the three-yard line on Saturday. So he's he has the leg, he has the accuracy, uh, and field position to me is going to play a huge factor on Saturday. And uh, I think that if Southern Miss can get Miami in some. Uh, long, long positions, you know, putting them back at the 2025 consistently. And you give that nasty bunch defense an opportunity to play with a lot of green behind them. I think that's kind of the key, along with, you know, the super back eating up a lot of clock. I think that's the key that, you know, Southern is playing spoiler. Yeah. Shorten the game, play some good defense and, and keep Tyler Van Dyke off the field, which, hey, listen, that's a. Uh, that was what Florida State kind of did to Miami when they uh, when they beat them last year and, and had a successful drive late in the game to, to knock them off. So, um, listen, I, I Scott, I appreciate you coming in. What's your what's your prediction for the game? Are you flying into the game, flying in for the game, and everything? I will not be. I will not be. I've got a high school on Friday night, so I will okay. be watching from the comfort of my house. All right, nothing wrong with that. I wish I could do that every single week, but uh, I, I I will be at the stadium. Uh, I've been doing this too long, Scott. It's what happens when you get uh, old like I do. But uh, what's your prediction for the game? Uh, I do not think Miami scores 70 points in this game. I do not think Southern Miss scores 27. I think that Miami wins it, let's say, 31-17. to 31-17? So they'll cover the spread. I mean, I, I would I would probably guess this will be a tighter game than most expect. Southern, like, Southern Miss, as you said, um, a lot of uh, JUCO guys trying to get some good NFL tape. This is the kind of game to do it. So I would assume that they'll be uh, highly excited. Frank Gore will be highly motivated. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think it'll be less than uh, the 25-26 point margin, but I do think Miami will win. So, Scott, it was fun, man. Thanks for coming on and, uh, and previewing this game for me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.